we will be in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning, if you want to just stay there. Um, we had a great week at Vacation Bible School, and uh, had a number of kids each evening. I think we had between 30 and 40 each night, and so we had a great turnout, and the, uh, the ones who labored, I think, were blessed for being here. The thing that really stuck out to me throughout the week, it was all, it was all a real blessing. The kids were great, and being able to minister to them uh, each night, something about the armor of God. But what really stuck out to me was just how the body of Christ came together and all the things that we've been talking about with spiritual gifts, we really saw it almost in, in pure form throughout this week. And each person, whether it was um, the group that was handling the nursery over there, the group that cooked the food each night, the ones who served that food, the ones who, who taught the kids or um, handled the games over at the park or did the craft. There was so many parts of the body and they were all functioning together. We all had one purpose and one goal and there was no inter-conflict, right? There was no fighting or arguing or debating. We were all here for the same reason and um, that was to minister to these kids the gospel of Christ, whether it was through the craft, through the games, through the teaching, through the food, through just reaching out and putting your arm on their shoulder and saying, hey, you know, I'm just super glad that you're here. Each one of us, each one who was here participated in that. And, and not just that, but some of you didn't, weren't able to come out, but you prayed for the event. And, and that was also really important. I remember the first night I was here, we had a prayer room in the back that Debbie Serrano put on and put together. And I walked in there, and it was just full of people who were praying for the event. And that was a big piece of it as well. So with that, I'd like to have everybody that was here at any point in time this week helping to stand up right now. I want you to kind of see how the body works. Stand up if you were here at any point in time helping this week. Yeah. You can be seated. Izzy and Emma, you guys stay standing. <laughs> Is Izzy in here? Sunday school. Sunday school. So Emma gets to stand by herself. Let's give, <laughs> let's give them a hand, too. <laughs> they did a great job of putting it all together. And I uh, thank, thank both of them for their, for their labor, for their work, for their heart. And, and their passion. I remember in the first stages, we started planning this last year and sitting in a meeting with them and just hearing their passion and their ideas. And it was like, yeah, these are the right, these are the right ladies to do this because they are really, um, the ideas were just kind of flowing out of their heart and, and it came together well. And so we appreciate their work and their labor in the process and how uh, God used them to glorify himself in this event so, so we got to see the body of Christ working together. This morning, I really want to take uh, some time just to, del to delve in. This is going to be our last look, um, Lord willing, our last look at spiritual gifts. Um, we're not going to go into great detail over a lot of the conflicts on spiritual gifts. We've dealt with that a little bit along, along the way uh, through this journey. So we're not going to deal with, with some of those conflicts um, primarily on the gifts of tongues or languages, and, and then some of the other gifts like healing and things like that and, and prophecies. What we do want to make sure that's very clear is that 
Um, the church here holds to a position that what the charismatic movement is doing with the, with the so-called gift of tongues and the so-called gifts of healings and the so-called gifts of prophecy, we, we, we reject those things fully. Okay? We, don't, we don't hold to, we don't accept, we don't acknowledge those things as being even, honestly, we don't acknowledge those things as even, even being the biblical expression of those gifts anyway. Okay? So we, we, we reject those. Um, and I just want you to know that kind of right off the bat. Now, um, we can talk about a true biblical expression of those gifts, and I'd be more than happy to talk with anybody about the true expression of those gifts. But what we do reject wholeheartedly is a false expression of those gifts. And um, when, you're, when, you, when you're having chaos in the church based upon spiritual gifts, it goes against the very um, teaching of 1 Corinthians 14, which says the gifts are given to bring order. And when they don't bring order, they bring disorder. They're not, they're not carrying out their purpose. So, um, so I want to be clear on that right off the bat. We don't, we don't, you know, what you see on television, folks, and just, I mean, it's not all, it's not all uh, wrong, but a lot of it is. A lot of it is wrong. A lot of what you see on TBN and those things that they're doing on there, it's, it's not healthy. And so I'd love to, if you, if you have questions about those types of things, any of the elders here in the church would love to sit down and talk with you because our heart is for you. And some of these things can be very confusing. Some of them can be very deceptive. And, and we want to make sure that, that we're on the right path. And um, we're listening to and watching and hearing the right things. So... So with that, this morning we're going to look at the practical outworking of these gifts as related to Grace Bible Church. Uh, here, here we are, we're a church, and we're to be manifesting these gifts, um, not just in VBS, but we're to be manifesting these spiritual gifts all throughout our ministry life. And we're to be creating opportunities here within the church to, um, for us to come together and for us to work together for the glory of God. Last week we looked in Romans 12 at eight attitudes that should govern our spiritual gifts, or eight attitudes that we should have um, in relation to our spiritual gift. I'm give them to you real quick. One was believing, which in, in essence, our spiritual gift should be based upon God's ability and not our ability. It's not about how strong we are or how capable we are or how talented we are. But if you look at Romans 12, the first of those spiritual gifts is built on um, it's the gift of prophesying, and he says prophesy in accordance with the amount of faith you have. In other words, let, you let your spiritual gifts be guided by the size of your God, not by the size of your muscles. That, that's, that's, that's the reality of it. Let us see what God is using us to do, not based upon, or what God is calling us to do, and our, our ability to accomplish what God is calling us to do, not based upon our abilities. I grew up, did a little story, I grew up uh, taking Taekwondo when I was a little kid, right? You guys know what Taekwondo, it's like karate, another version of karate. And one of the things that was, we, we always were told and taught, you can, yes, Ron, <laughs> Ron Ron's giving us an expression over there. Um, one of the things that we could never do is we could never say the word can't. When you said the word can't, you were doing push-ups, right? So they taught us never say the word can't because there's a way to accomplish it. In the Christian life, that, that, that message should be way more massive, because there is no can't in the Christian life. 
if God is calling us to do something and God is, God's spirit is working through us, there's nothing impossible for us to accomplish, right? Um, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ or in Christ who gives me the strength. In other words, if Christ has called us to do something and he's wanting to minister and work through us, is there anything that we cannot accomplish? Can we say the word can't? No. When God calls us to do something and wants to work it through us, there's nothing impossible. So this is my last week's sermon, so I better run through this one. All right. Believing is the first attitude that we should have. How big is our God? Serving is the second. Our spiritual gift should always be built on serving people. If your gift is not serving people, it might not be a spiritual gift. As a matter of fact, if it's just serving self, it could be the antithesis of a spiritual gift. Teaching, encouraging, giving, or gener- generosity was the word that was used in Romans 12, having a generous spirit towards our gifts, being zealous or excited about our spiritual gifts in the same way that athletes are excited when they make a three-point basket or they score a touchdown at the end of a football game, that we should be excited when God uses us to accomplish something for his glory. Matter of fact, the reality of it is the excitement that the world experiences when a touchdown is scored should pale in comparison to the amount of excitement that we experience when God uses us to accomplish something. When he uses us to bless somebody, to encourage somebody, to strengthen somebody who is, who is down, who is struggling, and we are able to lift them up from that miry, discouraging pit, that's, that's way more exciting than scoring a touchdown. And the greater excitement is when we're able to see somebody come to know the Lord as their Savior. Amen? Amen. And we get to participate in that by sharing the gospel with them. That's exciting. The Bible even says that they cheer in heaven over that type of excitement, not just on the earth. We should have a joyful spirit towards our gifts. Our spiritual gifts are not something that we should look at as mandates. They're not something that we should look at as rules or regulations. Our spiritual gifts are opportunities. They're blessings. They're things that we get to do, not things that we have to do. And then love, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter is all about how you should look at your spiritual gift, how you should look at people when you're using your spiritual gift. These things need to be guiding our spiritual gifts, folks. Sometimes we're using our spiritual gift, but our attitude towards them is completely off track. It becomes very self-gratifying, or it becomes very harmful to the body of Christ over being unifying or uniting in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, we have, again, a very um, significant passage on on the spiritual gifts, Okay? And that's where we're at. So I'm not going to read the whole text again, but I want to focus on three main thoughts, and one of them will be quite extensive. So bear with me. If you're taking notes this morning, we're going to give you categories, eight different categories of spiritual gifts, as mentioned in the Bible, and then as applicable to Grace Bible Church. Okay? And what we're going to ask you to do is throughout this week, we're going to ask you to be praying about, next week you'll come to church and there'll be a bulletin board on the back wall and it will have eight different categories of spiritual gifts. And we're going to have little tags, different colored tags, and we're going to ask you to put your name on those tags and to pin yourself within one of those or many of those spiritual gifts. 
And we're gonna at, we're, we want to see where the church is strong and what the Lord might be wanting to accomplish through us. We're also going to ask you to take one of those tags and write someone else's name on it and tag them in a spiritual gift that you feel like they're gifted in. It's often true that we can see gifts in other people that they can't see in themselves. And we can identify and we can draw those gifts out by encouraging and recognizing and identifying those gifts. The Apostle Paul did that. We can encourage people in their spiritual gifts. So we're going to ask that you do that this week. So it's important as I go through these eight things that you... um, that you think about, hmm, where do I fit into that group? Or maybe God lays someone on your heart sitting here and say, oh man, that person would be a really good fit for that ministry or that gifting, okay? So, number one, members of the body of Christ. When a person becomes a member of the family of God and we become a member of the body of Christ by repentance and faith, right? Okay, the Bible says that those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will be saved, So our our entrance into the kingdom of the Lord is an entrance that takes place by faith. Remember, the opposite of that and what the world would want you to believe in many religions is that you enter into the body of Christ by works. In other words, you do certain things and that once you reach a certain level, God lets you into the kingdom. Okay, The Bible teaches the opposite of that, which is We enter into the body of Christ by faith. We trust that Jesus Christ's works were significant and sufficient, right? We believe that his work was sufficient, and so we enter into his family by trusting in what he has done, not trusting in what we have done. The danger in trusting what we have done is that sooner or later we're going to become doubtful because what we have done is never enough. It never reaches God's requirements for us. So you might feel comfortable today because you had a really good day of serving the Lord, but tomorrow you might not feel so peaceful about your salvation. So it's important that we build our, our hopes and our, and our, and our future and our eternity not on what we have accomplished, but totally on what Jesus Christ has accomplished. When somebody asks you, why do you believe that you're saved? Why do you believe that you're going to heaven? Your answer should never be, your answer should never begin with the word I. Your answer should never be, I did this or I did that or I. It should always begin with Jesus did this. The, the reason why I have confidence that I am going to heaven when I die is because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He was buried, he rose again the third day, and he promised all of those who believe in him that they have spiritually died with him and resurrected with him, and his life became their life. That's the confidence that we have. So we enter into God's family by believing. When we enter into God's family, we become a partaker of divine benefits, In other words, we become beneficiaries of what Jesus Christ has done. We receive his nature, we get his glory, and we become the temple of the person of Christ or the spirit of Christ. We get forgiveness, redemption, adoption, justification, sanctification, glorification, and righteousness. 
When we get saved, we partake in all of these divine benefits. But let me say this to you as well. When we become a part of the body of Christ, we not only partake in divine benefits, but we become a participant in a divine purpose. You don't just enter into the body of Christ as a, part- as a partaker of all of these benefits, but you become a participant in God's purpose for the world. You are now a player in the game and not someone who is just watching the game from the stands. The coach has just said, get into the game. When we become a believer or become a part of the body of Christ, we participate now in God's divine purpose for this world. We become a part of his goal. We become a part of his work. We become a part of his purpose and what he's accomplishing in the world around us. Here's what Jesus says in John 20 and verse 20 and 21. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father hath sent me, even so I am sending you. In other words, the same reason why God sent the Son, Jesus Christ, into the world, Jesus Christ now sends the disciples into this world to be a sacrifice for the purpose and the sake of the gospel. And we are sent into the world with that same purpose. We become a participant in the Lord's purpose for the world. It's so important that we get a hold of this, folks, because if we don't get a hold of this, we'll spend all of our lives trying to fit into a world that God never meant us to fit into. God saved us to draw us out of the world's systems, but to leave us in the world with his system so that we can represent what it means to be a godly husband and a godly wife and godly children and to have a home and a family that is structured and organized under God's purposes and God's plans. It's, it's so that we can go to work every day and we can show them what it looks like for a Christian to work. It's so that we can represent Christ in everything that we do because his divine purposes are bigger than the things that this world has to offer. And when we enter into his family, into his body, we become a participant in his divine purpose. Did you know that you're a participant in his divine purpose this morning? If you're a Christian, you are on this world, in this world, on this earth to carry out what he began. The Bible says in Colossians 1, verse 24, the apostle Paul speaking again to the church of Colossae, he says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up. The word filling up there means I'm completing. I am completing what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Literally he means I am carrying on what Christ began for the sake of the body that is the church, the body of Christ, us. So we enter into the body of Christ by faith. When we are in the body of Christ, we become a participant in his purpose and in his plan. Now we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, a few things to consider about the gifts in relation to our text and also other texts in the Bible. Remember this about our gifts There are no gifts that are more significant or more important than the other gifts. 
And you'll notice that in the beginning of our text that was, was read this morning, that some parts we put greater honor on, and some parts have greater honor, and some parts the Lord puts greater honor on, but ultimately it's so that we all be equal. That's what he's saying. He's like, yeah, the parts that you put greater honor on, I'm going to put less honor on, and the parts that I, I put greater honor on, you're going to put less, but ultimately that we all be one united in significance, it's very important that we get that because some people might be gifted in some of the minor things in the church and they think, well, that's not important. And some people might be gifted in the major things in the church and they might think, well, that's of great significance and pride and arrogance sets in there. But ultimately, it's important that when you're dealing with spiritual gifts, it's about the Spirit of God choosing what you're going to do in the body, right? And then giving you that gift to accomplish it. And I love the fact that he never looks at us and says, hey, you know what, there's a great tool. I think I'll make that person into this. He makes us into what he wants us to be, not based upon our abilities, but based upon his calling and his purpose. Every part of the body is equally significant and important. Every gift is equally important and significant. Matter of fact, the uniqueness of the body is its ability to function as one while many. One of, the, one, of the, one of the wonderful things about the body of Christ, one of the most amazing displays of the power of, of God is that his church is able to function as one individual, although many parts. And, and can I say this too? The opposite of that is also true, one of the greatest stains on the name of Christ is the body of Christ that can't function as one. If one of the greatest representations of the power of God is that we function as one, one of the greatest stains on the power of God is that we can't function as one. The body functioning together as one is so important to being honoring to the Lord. Ephesians 4, 4, and 6, the 4 through 6 says, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What word do you think sticks out the most? All and, and one. All and one. This is how it works. We, hear, we read here in our text in verse 25, that there be no divisions in the body, but that the members shall be the, have the same care for one another. If one member suffer, all the members suffer together. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice together. In other words, every success that, that a part of the body has, all of the body enjoys that success. And if the body is suffering, the whole body suffers with it at the same time. The body of Christ is meant to function as one, and that is unique to the body of Christ. Let me say this to you as well in regards to the gifts that are in the body. The gifts are different from the offices. Okay, I'm going to present some gifts to you this morning, and sometimes we want to make gifts into offices. Okay, the gifts and the offices are different. There are offices in the church. There are elders, there are deacons, there are offices in the church. Don't, don't confuse that. The gifts and the offices, they're different. We'll look at offices before we're done with our study on the church. But don't confuse the two. 
Some, uh, someone once come to, came to me, a, a lady once came to me, because some of the gifts are, are, are confused, again, in offices, and a lady came to me and says, Pastor John, is it possible that I could have this gift? And that gift was immediately associated with an office in the church that the Bible says clearly that that is not for a woman to hold that office. So they assumed, I must not be able to have this gift. And my answer to them was, that's completely untrue. You, you know who some of the greatest shepherds there are in our, in our world today? They're moms. They're moms caring for their children. You've got to be able to distinguish between the gift and the office. We're looking at the gifts today. And the gifts, the gifts given to the church are spiritual gifts of the Lord working through an individual. Okay? So it's important to remember that the gifts are different from the offices. It's also important to remember that giftedness does not excuse, exclude, does not excuse or exclude responsibility. Okay? Let me explain that to, for you for a moment, to you for a moment. There are certain gifts in the body that everyone is demanded to have. Okay? I'm going to use the, the giving gift. Okay? The Bible calls us all to give to the church, to the body of Christ. We're to give to the Lord to support the body of Christ. Some people are given a special gift of giving. Now, the special gift of giving does not negate the fact that some people have, all people have the responsibility to give to the church. But some people are empowered by God to give abundantly. I believe that one of the gifts that we have is some people are gifted with the ability, with the, uh, a power in their prayer life. Does that mean that no one prays? Have you ever met anybody that could just pray and, 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 it, and it happened? Anybody ever met anybody like that? It just seemed like they had a special gift of prayer. And, and you don't feel like you have that same gift. Does that negate the fact that we're all supposed to pray? No, no it doesn't negate the fact that we're all supposed to play. In many ways, all of, a lot of these gifts, we're all supposed to play a small role in them. We're all supposed to be active, but, but, but there's a special gift where the Spirit of God works through a person that is, is, is unique from the responsibility that we all have to carry out that gift. Okay, does that, does that make sense? Okay, it's important that we understand these variances because sometimes we'll look at the gifts and we'll confuse them. And then uh, with that confusion comes uh, oftentimes conflict and, 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 uh, and division, which ultimately the gifts are not meant to, to, be, to bring. Now, practical use of the gifts in the body of Christ I'm going to give you eight categories. Again, if you're taking notes, it would be, I would encourage you to do so, to, to, to look at these different categories. These are based out of Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and then also Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter chapter number 4, if you want to have some references to go to. Biblical categories, if you will, for spiritual gifts. And next week, you'll see uh, eight signs out there on a bulletin board, and each one of these categories will be listed. So the first uh, group that we're going to talk about is, is often dealt with in, the first, um, in first place in these different texts, and that's the gift of communication. It's a communications gift, and I've entitled this group the communication team. 
okay? These are people who communicate. They have the ability to clearly and plainly present truth. It's always, remember, the spiritual gifts are always related to the Spirit of God working through an individual, and they're always focused on the gospel. They're always focused on the gospel. So there's a communication gift. In the, in the scriptures, the biblical communicators were prophets, teachers, and in 1 Peter chapter number 4, they were just speakers. The Bible talks about, uses the word speaker, somebody who speaks with the power of the Holy Spirit. And these are the communicators in the church. At, at Grace Bible Church, some of these would be uh, Sunday school teachers who are gifted with the ability to communicate. Small group leaders are gifted with the ability to communicate. Uh, pastors and elders um, are gifted with the ability to communicate. One of their requirements in um, 1, Peter, uh, 1 Timothy 3 is that they have the ability to teach. So this would fall in lines with that gift of communication. We have people who get up on Sunday mornings and give, an, uh, give announcements. They could be people who are gifted in this realm of communication where God can use them to communicate and encourage and get the church excited about what's taking place in that week or in that month or in that year. That's the gift of communication. God, gives, God has called people within this church body who have those gifts to, to function in some of these areas. And, and I'll say this, I, I did my best this week to, to try to fill in as many gaps as possible, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss some. There's probably some area that you can think of that might be in one of these groups that I might not cover, okay? But you get the idea, worship leaders, they're gifted with the gift of communication. And they're not just up here to sing, but they also say things, and the Spirit of God works through them to communicate and encourage the body of Christ, Right? So these are, these are areas in which this communication gift becomes practical at, at Grace Bible Church. It gets played out. It gets lived out in how we work. And we want to know if you're gifted in this area of communication and you're a part of the body of Christ, we want to know that so that we can try to fit you or lock you into where God might use you. What often happens in the church is when people who are gifted are perhaps possibly afraid of stepping forward and using their gifts for the Lord, what usually happens is people who are not gifted step into that role and do the best that they possibly can, right? We don't want that. We don't want that. If you're gifted in an area, we want to be able to plug you in where you're gifted because we want the Spirit of God to do the work and not us anyway, amen? amen. We, we want the Spirit to do the work, and so that means, that necessitates that you have to be gifted in that, in, that, in that arena. And if you are gifted in that arena, we do not want you not to use that gift. Remember the story of the ten talents, the five talents, and the, and the, and the one talent? The one who buried that talent in the ground, right, f afraid of using it because possibly it could, it could not work out the way that they thought it was going to, or maybe they would lose, or maybe something bad would happen, so they bury it in the ground. you know what the Lord did with that talent or that gift? You guys all know he took it away. So we've got to be using the, our gifts that God has given us. We've got to be using them for the, for the, for the Lord, for the cause of Christ. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks 
as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves, as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In other words, as we use our gifts spiritually, God is glorified. And when we refuse to use our gift, then we, often will, we can often lose it. Number two, that's the communication team. Number two is the outreach team. Okay, the Bible talks about apostles, which were those who were sent out into the world to establish or to, to, found, to give a foundation to the church. Um, the Bible uses the word evangelist as well in the same context as spiritual gifts. And then he uses the word languages or the gifts of languages or the gift of tongues. That was also a, an outreach or an evangelical tool that was used to minister to the world, the gospel. These are gifts that are put into the body of Christ for local and worldwide missions. The Bible tells us in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, all power has been given unto me, Jesus is speaking, all power has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. This is such an important, verses 18 is so significant because if you were given all power in heaven and in earth, right, the very next thing that you say is going to be pretty significant, right? Very next thing that Jesus says is, go ye therefore into all the nations making disciples. And that's really the essence of the, the rest of that flow is what it means to make disciples. But that's what he says, go ye into all the world and make disciples. Under whose power? Does he say all power has been given to you in heaven and in earth? Whose power do we go into all the world and make disciples with? It's with his power by his indwelling spirit. This is the commission of outreach. This is, this is sharing the gospel with people at, in, in Hollister, California. This is sharing the gospel with our neighbors. This is developing teams that are gospel-oriented. This is developing a passion for missions over in other countries across the world. This is an outreach ministry that God has gifted people with. I wrote down a few that fit missions, church planting, evangelizing the lost, homeless ministries, shut-in ministries, addiction ministries, prison ministries, the distribution of track ministries, anything that includes the outreach of the gospel fits right into this outreach team. Some of you are burning on the inside for this type of a ministry. Some of you are passionate about this type of a ministry, but you're afraid. We don't want you to be afraid anymore. We want God to be able to work through you. What we want to do is simply put you in, a, in an environment, help you develop a plan in which we can get this thing rolling. Right? The body of Christ that has a lot of communicators but no outreach people is not, a, is not the complete body of Christ. It's partial. So an outreach team that goes into all the world and preaches the gospel and develops communication ways in which this can be accomplished. Number three is the prayer team. Okay? And I'm going to say some things in this one that might be somewhat confusing, but I want you to think about it with me. In the context of Scripture here, he says, together he says, in uh, verse 27, 28, 
And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, and then the gifts of healing. Okay? And I want to take those two just for a moment. Miracles and healing. Do we believe in miracles today? Does God performing miracles today? Is God healing people today? So these two things are in a part of the church's function, right? They're a part of the church's function. God is still at work doing the miraculous things. Listen, folks, it is far easier, it is far easier for God to heal somebody physically than it is to, for him to save somebody spiritually. That's a greater miracle. The question is, is God doing healings today? Is God healing people? The answer is yes. We could go throughout this auditorium and we could speak of healing after healing after healing that you have experienced. And you're so afraid to say that God did it because you don't want to step into that world of God being a healing God. God is a healing God. God is a miracle-working God, and God uses the prayers of his saints to accomplish it. Listen, James chapter number 5 is not in the Bible by mistake. Jesus says when people are sick amongst you, you go and you pray over them and anoint them with oil. He says when you don't want the rain to come down, or in California, when you do want the rain to come down, what do you do? You pray for the rain to come down. Listen, folks, the problem with many of us is we don't believe that God is going to actually hear and answer our prayers. He says at the end of James 5, he's like, Elijah was just like you are. He prayed that it wouldn't rain for three and a half years, and it didn't. I can't tell you how many times in Nebraska, where we come from, how many times people prayed that it would rain, and how many people times people prayed it would stop raining because of, because of the crops. Folks, listen, being a prayer warrior is powerful. We we minimize that to to the outreach, and we minimize that to the communicators, but but this is where the power comes from. It's where people are reaching out, and they're touching the hem of God's garments. This is what makes the rest of the church go spiritually. We cannot move forward without the power of prayer. The Spirit of God doesn't function without the power of prayer. We need people to be reaching out. You may say, Pastor John, I'm 85 years old. I can't go out and work anymore. I can't be a deacon. I can't do this and this. But you can do probably one of the most significant things, and that is you can reach out to our God. And he can reach down from heaven, and he can do and accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish. So I'm lumping these two miracles and healings You may not like it, but I'm just lumping them into prayer warriors. These are prayer warriors. And we can see God heal people today. And we can see God perform miracles today. We can see rain take place in Northern California today. Do we, I mean, honestly, do we believe that can happen? We can see God do some great things. And how much of a blessing would it be to Northern California for the heavens to open up and rain to come down and, and, squint and squelch all of those fires? I'm afraid 
that there's very little people praying for this type of a miracle because very few of us believe that it can actually happen. We need prayer warriors, people to reach out and touch the hem of God's garment for the salvation, for the blessing of God's people. Jeremiah 33, verse 2 and 3, the Lord says, Thus the Lord says, who made the earth and who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Just meditate on that for a moment. God who created all things and sustained all things, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. So this is a prayer team. We need prayer warriors in this church. People who are called and gifted to kneel on their faces before God for seasons of time and to reach out to him and watch him perform the supernatural. Number four, what I've called the helping hands team. The text here uses the word helps, the gift, the gift of, of helps and uh, and, and uh, a gift of helping, okay? This word literally means to, to aid or to relieve or to, to give support. In, in, our, in our church setting, it would be like an assistant or a helper or um, uh, the, the word here also um, can mean deacon, uh, the idea of being a, a, uh, a helper, a, a deacon. Those who are gifted, and the ability of just coming along beside people. Some of you are not leaders. Some of you are, and some of you are like jack of all trades, master of none, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do, but you, uh, you, you just need some direction or you need someone to kind of lead you. You might be gifted in the gift of helps. Just might want to come alongside of somebody and say, hey, help me. Help me know what to do and use me and let me minister, I know we have some men in our church that are like this. It's so exciting and encouraging to see these men. Um, and I'm thinking of some right now, and I'm not going to call their names out, but just to see some men in our church, and ladies as well, who, 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 who are here cleaning, and are, they're here cooking, and, and they're just all over the place. And it's like their attitude is, whatever I can do to help, I'm here to help. That's, that's a gift from God. Amen. God is actually ministering through you to help other people out. In Acts 6 and verse 3, in case you count this ministry insignificant, the Lord tells them in Acts 6 and verse 3 to set aside men who were full of the Holy Spirit to be deacons who are basically men who are gifted with helps. And he said he wanted them to be full of the Spirit. Why? You say, well, Pastor, surely the Holy Spirit doesn't have to work through me just to help people. Oh, yes, he does. You see, folks, that's what, that's what creates the unity. It's when the Spirit of God is accomplishing the most minor of tasks through you. Do you know what creates division in the church? Is when we are accomplishing the task on our own. Helping hands team. Number five, compassion team. 
There are three words that are used in these two texts that are important to this compassion team. There's the word mercy, the word encouragement, and the word shepherd. I believe all three of these words communicate this idea of compassion. Matthew 25 talks about feeding those who are who are uh, weak or poor or unable to feed themselves and you're, you're doing it for the Lord or the, the Lord is doing it through you. James 2 talks about somebody who's, who, who is in need and you tell them go and be warmed and be filled but you don't take care of them. And the Lord says that your faith is, is futile, your faith is, is weak or empty. So let me look at those, let me give you a few thoughts on those really quick. Number one, mercy Mercy is the gift of compassion in regards to outreach, okay? It is helping those who are afflicted or helping those who are in need, okay? Helping those who are afflicted or helping those who are in need. The story of the Good Samaritan is a good example of this. We've got to be very, very careful with this, Okay? We as a church do not believe that we're to submit to any authority that disagrees with what the word of God says. Amen? Amen. Okay. So we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility before God to care for the needy. A responsibility before God to care for the needy. The command in scriptures towards caring for the poor are so significant and so many. We can't even begin to touch on how many times the Lord deals with this. And we think that we can write it off and say that we're still doctrinally sound, but we're confused if we believe that. We have a command from God's word. We must take that command seriously. So there's a compassion team. Their job is to outreach compassion. They want to help the afflicted. They want to help the needy. They want to be like the good Samaritan. Jesus Christ was a wonderful example of this. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Encouragement is the is compassion that is based on an inward reach. It's the idea of, it's somebody who has a passion to see the body of Christ encouraged, has compassion to see somebody who likes to plan um, fellowships or holiday events and things like that. They like to organize things that are just encouraging to people. They have compassion for the body of Christ. And, and then shepherding is the idea of pastoring or, or caregiving or feeding the flock of God. 1 Peter 5, 2, the Bible says, shepherd or feed the flock of God that is amongst you. This is talking specifically about a gift that is given to, a, in, to the position of an elder. They're to shepherd the flock of God. Psalm 23 and verse 2 says, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Can I submit to you that one of the greatest one of the most amazing essences of shepherding or having the heart of compassion that's mentioned in Psalm 23 is this, that the shepherd doesn't force the sheep to lay down. As a matter of fact, if you understand sheep, you will know this. You cannot force them to lay down. The more you try to force them to lay down, the more they're going to get, they're not going to lay down. 
The only way you can make a sheep lay down is by making his situation so comfortable and so restful and so secure and so safe that he has no worries at all and he can then lay down. That's what the heart of somebody with compassion has. They don't want to force anybody into anything, but they want to show them and share with them the glories of the great shepherd that they might rest in his greatness and rest in his goodness. The compassion team. We need a compassion team. Number six, I believe it is the giving team. The Bible says that there are those who are gifted with the gift of of giving. This word literally means to distribute, to share, or to impart. You'll find that Jesus Christ, when he traveled around with him, he had people that followed around with him that supplied his financial needs along the way to take care of him. These are those who are gifted with the gift of giving. Remember, I don't want you to think that those who are gifted with the gift of giving are responsible for all of the giving in the church. Nor do I want you to think that those who are gifted with prayer are the only ones that are called to pray in the church. But there are some of us who are sitting here that God has abundantly blessed. And he's given, us a, given you a passion for giving to the Lord's work. You remember what I said about prayer? Prayer is the spiritual backbone of the church. Giving is the, is the financial backbone of the church. It's how we do what we do. If somebody comes in and has a need, the way that we do what we do is that we have funds there to do it. Um, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the church of Galatia, so also do you. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put aside in store, as God has prospered him, that there may be no collection when I come. If you feel like maybe you have the gift of giving, I would totally encourage you to read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Two passages of scripture that deal with this in a very, very strong way. The gift of giving. You have the gift and the ability to give abundantly. If you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you'll find a church that in in a time of great poverty, they begged the apostles to take their money. Okay, that's the gift of giving, right? It's like, I don't have that gift, pastor. Yeah, we don't all have that gift. Doesn't mean we don't have to give to the Lord of our tithes. But it does mean that there are some people in the body here that are, that are gifted in a special way with the means and the desire to give. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, he even says, don't give because you have to. The Lord loves a what? Yeah, cheerful giver. That's the gift. Gift number seven, administrative gift. He says that he gives them the gift of administration. This is those, these are those who um, plan, direct, organize, put things together. They're the ones that are gifted with the ability to um, take a vision that is a big, big picture and they're able to put it into steps, okay? Any visionary needs an administrator, don't they? A visionary without an administrator is dangerous. There's administrators that are able to put things into steps and to walk through it. There's visionaries as well that can see the big picture and see how you get to that goal. You need both. Matter of fact, when I came to this one, I, the, the thought that came to my mind is this. Every category that we've just talked about needs an administrator. It needs somebody who's able to put it into a plan. Some of you are gifted with that ability. I, I've seen it happen. I've seen the way that our kitchen works over here on a VBS week and how it flows. And I know that there's someone behind that. 
right? The Lord, but working through you, right? I've seen how our sound department works. I've seen how our worship team works. I've seen how it all works. It's God working through people. And there are administrators in that group, and there are, and there are visionaries. Uh, I know in our, in our home, I'm a, I'm a visionary. I see the big picture. I can see 10 years down the road, and I know exactly what it looks like 10 years down the road. I can't, I can't see what next week looks like, but I can, I can sure see 10 years down the road. But my wife is able to see every step of the process. She's able to map the journey out for us. That's the perfect team. God's put that in the body right here. We have administrators sitting out here amongst us. We just need, we need you to come forward and put it into practice. The last one is a leadership team. He says here again, the leadership, um, one of the uh, gifts is the gift of leaders. Is um, Back in Romans 12, to, to be zealous about the gift of leadership. Um, this is a gift to lead. This is a visionary gift, someone who can see the future and somebody who can guide uh, uh, and, 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 and give a vision for the future. The Lord says in, in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, where there is no prophetic vision in this version, but in the other versions, it just says where there is no vision, the people perish. There's got to be a vision for the church, and there are people put into the church body who have vision. They have the ability to see the big picture, and they're excited and they're passionate about the big picture, and they're an important part of bringing the church to that level of excitement and passion about the big picture. And then there are administrators that help put it into um, a plan. This gift is, can be also functioning in all of these different categories. You need a visionary for these categories. You need an administrator for these categories. So my encouragement, this is eight, these are eight categories that we've talked about already. And there may be more. I've tried to narrow it down and fit it into eight categories. And what I want you to do this week, what my, my heart for you is that you would pray about where am I at in those, in those categories? Where do I, am I a, am I a helps person? Am I, a, am I an administrative person? You may say, well, I'm both. Put your, tag yourself in both areas. But what we really want to see is we want to see this board start to fill up with people and their gifting and encourage other people to put their name up there and then begin to see that stuff come to fruition. And then we also want to encourage you, as you think about this, to pray about maybe somebody else that you know in the body that has a really good gift and you know they have that gift, but you just, maybe they don't know. And to tag them. And, and you'll be an encouragement to them. They might look on there, oh my goodness, somebody tagged me in this area. They see something in you that you might not see in yourself. Folks, God is wanting to do a work. He, he's, let, me, let me say it this way. God is doing a work. Amen. But he's got, he's got a lot of work to do. And, and he's ready to move. And what he wants from us is to step forward. Say, Lord, here, here am I. Send me, right? Lord, here's my five loaves and two fish. I know it doesn't mean much, but I've seen you feed 5,000 with it before, Amen. Right? Here's my administrative gift, Lord. Here's my helping gift, Lord. Here's my outreach gift, Lord. I know it's not much. It's just one person. I can't reach the world. I can't even reach Hollister. But here's my little five loaves and two fish. You might be surprised at what God does with your offering. We serve an amazing God, folks. There's nothing that he can't do. 